Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Authentic U Media, featuring radio. TV, webinars, and live events worldwide. And today, presenting interviews with Authentic You, with your host, Jeffrey Miller, author, international speaker, and also known as The Interventionist. And now, here's Jeff. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon to this big, beautiful world. We are very happy to have you with us today to all our listeners on uh, behalf of myself and my lovely co-host, Michelle Arbo, the president of Authentic You Media, who's with me today. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Jeff. So nice to be on air with you, as always, but I can't wait to get our guest on. I'm so excited. Oh, this is going to be fantastic. We're going to have a great show, folks. You that are listening, if you've ever heard the name Go-Giver as a book, you are going to hear all about it today. And Mr. Bob Berg, the co-author of The Go-Giver, series of books, and there are actually two, along with other books that Bob has written, and I want to give you a little background in history here, and there's a big question today I want everybody to think about, as Michelle and I were talking pre-show with Bob, and we'll introduce him in just a couple of minutes, do go-givers really sell more in today's economy? Hmm, great question, because you know, as Michelle, as you and I both know, the economic conditions in this, uh, in our country and in the world U.S., Canada, et cetera, you know, your Canada, I'm U.S., and our countries, hasn't been that great the last few years. We've had a lot of decline in businesses, et cetera. So here's an interesting principle, and I have read the entire book, The Go-Giver, and I was, like, glued to it. But let's think about this question. Do go-givers really sell more in today's economy? Now, we're going to be looking into shifting your focus from getting to giving is far more from just nice. It's also very financially profitable. And when Bob Berg, co-author of the international bestseller, The Go-Giver, speaks about giving, he's talking in terms of constantly and consistently providing value to the lives of others. When you can take your focus off of yourself, which we in, in my business call ego, and shift it onto how you can be an asset of value to other people, you will plant seeds of goodwill, of great will that will come back to you many, 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 many times over. And not because of some magical, mystical type of thinking, but because it makes absolute practical sense. However, one wonders, is that, isn't that just a feel-goody, new-agey type stuff that doesn't work in the real world, especially in this economy? Everybody's thinking, wow. Or even, sure, maybe when the economy is good, but how now we have to fight for everything we get. And, boy, I think a lot of people can relate to that. It just seemed to be that lately uh, with this economy. In other words, isn't what he's saying simply naive? Ooh, wow. Actually, not only is it not naive, it's quite practical. And Bob's going to tell us all about why. And, again, for very concrete reasons that you will learn during this one-hour show with Bob, you will benefit from and most likely be able to utilize the rest of your lives. Bob has built his business and shows others how to build theirs based on one overriding foundational principle. Here it is, Bob's quote, All things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know and like and trust. How true. Tune in now, folks, and let's listen, and you'll get on with our discussion and enjoy this very entertaining and humorous, but very much to the point guest Mr. Bob Berg, who will add exceptional value to your business and to your life from this moment forward. Always remember, you cannot control the economy, but you can absolutely control your economy. And that's from Mr. Bob Berg. And Mr. Berg, sir, thank you and welcome to this show. Hey, Jeff, it's great to be with you. Michelle, great to be with you as well. Absolutely fantastic to have you with us, Bob. I have followed your, your writings and, and a lot of what you do, especially the Go-Giver series, along with your other books, which I'm really diving into these days. 
Because, you know, it makes sense. What you say makes sense. When I go down through the list of books you've written, wow, and we'll get on and talk about them later, but let's get specifically to The Go-Giver because people need to know. They need to understand this. And I think in our society, Bob, as you've said, People just go, oh, it's me, it's me, it's me. I've got to get ahead. I've got to get ahead, and I've just got to keep doing and getting. And that's a very interesting thing, because your title of go-giver seems to contradict the traditional wisdom. Is that really intentional, Bob? Well, yeah, I mean, on two levels. The the title is intentional because it's always good to have a title that is a little bit contrarian and, and sort of a pattern interrupt and make someone stop and think, hmm, what what could that be about, the go-giver? Right. Uh, so we, you know, as, as just like the headline of a sales letter, you, you want the title to be attractive because despite the uh, admonition that we should not judge a book by its cover and by its title, it's exactly what we do. <laughs> so um, <laughs> That's great. So John and I definitely did it for that reason, but also the, the title needs to be congruent with the message, which which I believe it is. And the 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 actual message, the premise, if you will, which you referred to a, a bit earlier, um, is simply that shifting one's focus, and, and, and the key is the shift, in, and the key is the focus, uh, shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And in this context, when we say giving, we mean constantly and consistently providing value to others, and that doing so is not only a, a nice way to live life, but it's a very financially profitable way as well, and and that's the key. So it's not a it's not some intangible type of feel goody thing. It's it's a very concrete philosophy and a concrete strategy for doing business. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I've got to tell you, I love the book. I was like a not-put-it-down situation. I read probably two or three books at the same time, Bob. And when I first I, I got I got the second book first, actually, as it turns out, you know, about Selmore. Go give us Selmore. So I started with that. And then, then, uh, with, through your very lovely publicist, Michelle Colon Johnson, said, Jeff, you need to be reading the other one first. Let's take it. So thank you very much, Michelle, by the way. Yeah, Michelle's great. She's absolutely yeah, terrific. Absolutely perfect. Oh, so, thank I mean, you, guys. But both, both Michelles, this Michelle and both the publicist Michelle, oh, we have a couple great was, Michelles. Sorry. Well, I, I just heard the word Michelle and great, so I had to call it. <laughs> well, I have a feeling you hear that a lot, Michelle. <laughs> I'm on autopilot. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, she could be, sometime during the call, she's going to be answering callers and seeing who's calling in as well. So she, she's elected to do that today, and I thank her very much for taking on that dubious distinction, <laughs> Michelle Arbo. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into what the basic premise of the book is all about, Bob. I know we're talking about this, but I really want to get into the meat of it. I want people to really get it and understand it because they need to get out and buy it, and we're going to get into all that later. Yes. Well, thank you. And and so really it's just it's understanding that in a free market-based economy and uh, well we don't exactly live in a free market-based economy where uh, you know if 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 things were is uh where they should be government would understand and and the people would understand that government's legitimate functions is to protect uh their citizenry from force and fraud but otherwise just create the environment environment where people are able to exchange products and services uh, you know, between each other, it, it, doing it from a, a point of each person feeling it's in their best interest to do it. And that works out well because in a free market-based society, the only way you can make a profit is by pleasing the consumer. Because in a free market-based economy, uh, unfortunately, we still have enough of it. Most of us operate out of that as well, despite the enormous amount of taxes and, and regulations that are unnecessary. Most of us still are in a position in a situation where people don't have to do business with us. And that's actually good because it makes us focus where we should, and that focus needs to be on the customer, on the client. So in other words – it, it, and this is why the, the go-giver philosophy works. This is actually the reason why. Uh, and that is, by focusing on that other person, you naturally bring them more value than you would if you were focusing on yourself. <laughs> and, and that's the only way they're going to buy from you, which is the only reason they should buy from you. you know, Joe, in the, if you remember Joe, the, uh, 
protagonist and the protege in the story, he was very focused on himself. Everything was about Joe. It was yeah. who owed Joe, and Joe had quota to meet, and you know why weren't people buying? So you know, and, and it's interesting because one one of the things I tell my audience is, and which kind of gets a laugh, is you know nobody is going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. They're going to buy from you because they feel they're receiving great value for exchanging their their money. How true, how true. And how many people relate to and think that nice guys and gals finish last when, in fact, in this instance, they finish first? Well, yes, but at the same time, there's a little more to it than that. Okay. Um, You know, people ask, well... Is this book really just saying nice people finish first? And 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 I I don't think I would take it to that that degree. I would say nice people finish first and nice people finish last. So there's something more to it. See, being nice is a great thing, both for its own sake and also because people are more attracted to you and are going to want to be, you know, are most likely going to going to want to do business with you more if you're nice than if you're nasty. I mean, I think that makes intuitive sense, and we all we all know that. But being nice in and of itself isn't enough to make one successful. Uh, let's face it, uh, Jeff, you and Michelle and everybody listening to this, we all know plenty of people who we would describe as being simply nice people who we would also have to describe as being broke people. True, very true. So nice is important, and it's helpful. I mean, it's it's much easier to be successful when you're genuinely nice, genuinely kind, because you've got more people wanting to work with you, more people rooting for you, more people who will but, – but – Success is also a matter of doing the correct things in the success process that allows a person to be successful and finish first. Uh, The five laws that John and I provide in the book are simply meant to share those principles that if someone will will, uh, utilize them, uh, apply them in conjunction, all five of them together, not one, two, three, or even four of them, but all five of them together, they absolutely must be successful because these have been proven to work since time immemorial. Uh, The people who are successful, they either intuitively or they've learned to use these principles. How true, and that's the question right there that I think a lot of people might be asking themselves right now. Learn to use the principles, and folks, we're going to be getting into that uh, Michelle, you wanted to talk to Bob specifically. I know you want to get into the, talking about Joe more, about his level of frustration, and, and discuss that in the book. Absolutely, because, you know, I really resonate. I mean, someone recommended to me a while back. They said, you've got to pick up this little red book. Get it at the airport if you can get it. Go get it somewhere, but, you know, read it on the plane. Or And I remember leaving to go somewhere, and um, that's what they said to me. They said, pick this up, take it on the plane with you, read it. And I didn't end up going to get a copy, which I regret, and I will be getting it now that I've been introduced to it. But the the character Joe really intrigues me because I'm a go-getter. I'm a, I always say I'm like a shark. I have to keep swimming or I, I feel like I'm drowning. So I'm always kind of pushing the boulder up the hill, so to speak. And and I just I feel like I, I do, 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 but I get very little back in return. And I just I really resonate with where he's at and, and what he's tried to do in the book. So I, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about Joe and explain to me his character and, and uh, all that stuff. Please, please. Sure. Well, you know, Joe was a good kid. I mean, he was an up-and-coming, you know, ambitious, aggressive. He, yeah, he had good qualities, but he was very, again, focused on himself. And, yeah, he was a go-getter, but he was very frustrated. Now, we love go-getters, by the way. Uh, even though the book is called The Go-Giver, we love go-getters uh, because go-getters take action. Uh, they get things done. And, you know, you, Michelle, you and Jeff, you're both successful business people, and many of the listeners are very successful. We all know that all the, the you know, the best thoughts, the best ideas, the best intention is all for naught if action's not put into the mix. So being a go-getter is also a great thing. And In fact, the really neat thing is that there's no natural division between go-getters and go-givers. Um, uh, um, many go-getters are also go-givers, and I would say every go-giver is also a go-getter. The opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker. And that's that person, like Joe was at the beginning, who was so wrapped up in himself 
and his focus was on himself, and he was all about take, 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 without having added value to the person, to the process, to the situation. And I think we all know plenty of people like that, or at least a few people like that, and they can be good people, but they tend to be very frustrated because uh, they, they typically don't reach the kind of level of success they feel they deserve. And even those times that they do, it tends to be short-lived because it's really not based on a on a great foundation. Now, it, there's also another way in which a go-getter is not as successful as they want to be, even if they're not a go-taker. And that way is if they're a go-getter taking action but not taking the correct action. And, and that's the key. So the action that we need to take needs to be in alignment with you know, proven principles that 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 work, uh, and certainly, by the way, just as a disclaimer, our book isn't the only one that has these principles. <laughs> There's plenty of great books out there, and I'm a big believer in continuing to read and learn and study. And uh, you know, in in none of the principles in the in the book, while we gave them our own titles, I would say not one of them is particularly original. They've been out there for years, you know, thousands of years. Uh, and so, um, so really. Joe needed to, to, to learn to shift his focus. And once he met Pindar and some of the other mentors, and he began to see the way they operated, they operated in a way that they were always continually focused on providing value to other people, and that the money they made was always the result of this value. It wasn't what caused the value. Uh, this is why John David Mann, my excellent co-author, and I, uh, we often say that money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder to value's lightning, which means nothing more than that the value must come first. That must be the focus. The value must come first, and the money is simply a direct and very natural result of the value uh, you've provided. Now, you know, Jeff brought up something in the when he was uh, introducing the uh, the interview, and he, he talked about well, in today's society, you know, today's economy, uh, and we do have a difficult economy. We have for a few years, and uh, uh, you know, I hate to sound political, but until government gets out of the way, both Democrats and Republicans, it's not a one-sided thing. Until they get out of the way and simply allow people, allow business to to operate. Um, it, it's it's still going to be tough, but that doesn't mean your business has to be tough. It just means that's the economy, that's how it is, and we don't need to, to be an ostrich putting our head in the sand denying it. It is what it is, but we can still control our own. But the question comes up, well, in a tough economy, don't you then have to not focus on your, uh, on others so much and just and focus on yourself making the buck? And I would say, let's look at this very, very logically and very rationally. Let's say you are the uh, prospect, you're the potential consumer, and there's a salesperson who has interested you enough in their product or service that that you're going to listen to their presentation. Now, this person, this salesperson, he's he's really, you know, this economy thing, it's, oh, he's got to focus on himself. So it's obvious in his presentation to you that he is focused not on providing value to you, but he is focused on getting you to sign that agreement so that he can make a nice commission check. Are you more likely or least likely to do business with someone like him? And, of course... You know, we're we're least likely to because absolutely okay. Now, on the other hand, you've got another person. They they live in the same economy. I mean, the economy is the economy. But this person has a product or service, and what they're doing is they're finding out what your interests are. They're finding out what what you're looking to accomplish through this product or service. They're empathetic in understanding your needs, your wants, your desires. They're asking you good questions to find out your needs, and they're listening not in order to answer. They're listening simply in order to listen. Okay, they, It's obvious as, you, as you're conversing with them that their focus is on providing you value as you see that value as being. Are you more likely or less likely to do business with that person? And, of course, we're more likely to do business with that person. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And so whether the it's a good economy or a bad economy, you've still got to do the same thing. You've got to focus on that other person. 
Now, in a tough economy or where dollars are tighter and this and that, and I'm going to say don't, you, you don't have to lower your price. Don't do that. Instead, look for ways you can increase the value that you provide. Increase the value of holding the numbers the same. Exactly right. Interesting, interesting scenario on that, Bob. Uh, years ago, in, as a real estate broker uh, in Maine, uh, beginning my career as a real estate broker, that is, over uh, 15 years ago, I ran up across a situation during a training for the license, the state license, and a gentleman said to us, would you enter the real estate industry, the market, as a sales professional with interest rates for mortgages like 15-plus percent? And everybody went, no, why would we ever do that? That's crazy. No, who's going to buy a house at the interest rates at that? He said, well, let me tell you a story. When I entered the real estate profession, interest rates were at an all-time high. He said they were never higher and never have been higher. And he said, you know what? I didn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. I went in. I showed properties. I researched what people really wanted. I showed them the right properties. I treated them with the value they deserved. Everything that I showed them was with value, and I looked at it as a learning process that I'm going to do the best I can for these people, and hopefully, hopefully, of course, they would purchase through me because I've given them that value. He became so successful, he then went on and opened a real estate, excuse me, a real estate training school mm. agents. Now, there it is in a nutshell exactly what you're saying. So who everybody about everybody in the room raised their hand. No, I would not want to enter the industry with interest rates that high. You know, ten at the at the double digit and higher. And and they, you know, I can remember those days back then. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm really aware of it, Bob. You and I both can say we probably remember that. Um, and and a lot of people say no, 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 no. And then look at where they are recently, all time lows. Mm-hmm. And the market is still functioning. Either way, right. the market still functions. Exactly. It's all about the value. It's all about the value. That's absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You know. And when you talk about Joe, and when he met Pinda, and he was all about, I've got to make the sale. I've got to make the sale. Getting my quota. Getting a month over and having enough money to pay his bills. He was thinking about himself only, only. And a good guy, as you said, really a great guy. All about value, really. He really cared about people. He certainly cared about the people he worked with. He was always doing things to help, et cetera. But really the bottom line was, how am I going to pay my bills? Mm-hmm. And isn't that interesting? That's about what everybody's thinking these days. Why sure. did he read this book? So moving on to, I love when we get into what the book calls the five laws of stratospheric success, Bob. And law number one being the law of value, which is what we're talking about. So let's let's I would love let's just dive into that. Right, and the law of value is the it's the foundational uh, principle, and it it simply says that your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, uh, again, this sounds kind of intu- uh, counterintuitive when you first hear it, almost counterproductive, like well. Give more in value than I take in payment. I, it's, that sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy, not a recipe for business success. Yeah, true, true. And, yeah, and so we simply have to understand the difference between price and value. Uh, price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea that brings with it so much worth or or value that someone will willingly exchange their money for that value and be ecstatic that they did while you make a very – a healthy profit. And may I share an example of this? Oh, please do. Uh, let's say you, you hire an accountant to do your, your tax returns. And this accountant charges you $1,000. Uh, we'll just use a round figure, $1,000. That's his, his fee, or literally his price, $1,000. But what value does he give in exchange for that? Well, let's say through his excellence, his his understanding, his determination to provide value, he, he saves you $5,000 in taxes. Uh, he also saves you 
countless hours doing something you don't want to do so that you can do something you'd rather do or that's more productive for you to be doing. He also provides you and your family with the security and peace of mind uh, in knowing that it's uh, that it was done correctly. So what he's done is he's given you well over $5,000 in value, value in this case being both concrete in terms of the $5,000 and intangible value in terms of the peace of mind, which is probably worth more than the money. And so and so he's given you well over $5,000 in value for a $1,000 price. He gave you more in value than he took in payment. So, of course, you feel great about it, and he also made a very healthy profit, which he should. And that's the kind of relationship we want to have with anyone with whom we do business, certainly. We want to give them such an exceptional, unique, terrific buying experience that they feel great about it, and we make a, a, an excellent profit. And again, this comes from, from focus. It comes from focusing on the value you're providing. Now, this can be a small business like an accountant or, you know, a, when I say small business, a, you know, a small one- or two-person business. It can be a medium business. Or it could be uh, a multinational corporation like Disney World. I mean, think about it. You, you take your family to Disney World in Orlando. You spend a whole lot of money <laughs> to get in for the rides, to stay, to you know everything. It's a. But what do you get in exchange for this? Well, you get an ex, you get experiences. Uh, you have uh, family memories that you're creating. You get to see the joy, joyous look of, on your kids' faces. Uh, these are priceless moments. And sure, do you are you know are they inexpensive? No, but you get much more in value than what you pay. Uh, in fact, that's why not only do people who go to Disney World with their family not only do they go back again numerous times, but they feel like they've just got to tell everybody about this great experience. So what Disney does is they give more in value or use value than what they take in payment. So everybody feels great. See the the main characteristic of a free market exchange again that's when both parties willingly do business with each other uh, the 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 main characteristic of a free market exchange is that both parties come away from the transaction better off than they were before the transaction and that's why free markets or capitalism actually creates a bigger expanded pie for everyone how fantastic is that i mean yeah. wow yeah, wow. You know, this is really eye-opening to me because I, you know, I've struggled with that myself where, um, you know, I've had coaches approach me to buy $10,000 worth of coaching and they offer nothing. And, and then I look at my own models and I say, okay, am I giving the right value? So it's really, uh, I'm really tuned in to you, Bob, right now. So I need to know oh, the you. second law, the law of compensation. What's that all about? Keep going, please. <laughs> sure. This says that your the law of compensation says that your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you add this kind of exceptional value to, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. Uh, if we go back to our accountant in the first example, he gave you, uh, you know, he did a great job of providing you with more in value than he took in payment. So if you're his client, you are very happy with him, you would do business with him again, and you would most likely refer him to others. Well, his other clients feel the same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors. And as he continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, his income will naturally continue to grow and grow. And it's not just for an accountant. It's not just for Disney World. It's for anyone in any business. It's the electrician, the dentist. Uh, it's for the... Uh, uh, the chiropractor, it's for the person who sells real estate, it's the person who is the financial advisor, it's the person who sells copying machines. Uh, it's for anyone in any business. Nicole Martin, one of the um, mentors in the story, the one we call the CEO, the former school teacher, yeah. uh, she explained to Joe that law number one, the law of value, as important as it is, that represents only your potential income, but it's not enough to provide exceptional value to just a very limited amount of people. Uh, law number two, the law of compensation, the number of lives you impact with the value you're providing, that represents your actual income. So we could almost summarize laws one and two and say that exceptional value plus 
significant reach equals very high compensation. Mm, amazing, amazing. I, I relate to this, Bob, in that how many people in my in my life that I know, whether it be in the trades, whether it's in real estate, have always said, oh, I can get this here for less money. And it does relate to this because somebody is always looking for the value in thinking what they're paying less for is the better deal. Your example on the accountant is perfect. I mean, do we want the accountant that has the reputation of leading with value, that has a lot of clients that respect him year after year after year, that we know is going to take care of our tax situation, handle us with professionalism, treat us with that dignity of giving us that value for a fair compensation of what they deserve to be paid. Now, when we look at it and say, well, he is, he charges X number of dollars versus this one who only charges this much, what happens when the IRS comes down breathing down your throat because they find something that wasn't so good in your return or they think it needs an audit? And this other guy has just had this great rapport with people just doing it right the first time. So pay it up front, get the value. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I love that. Well, yeah, and you, you bring up a great point, and that's true. Now, it's up to... Uh, it's up to the salesperson, the entrepreneur, the business person, it, the seller, if you will. It's up to them to be able to communicate that value. It, it's not up to – now, as, as consumers, if we're really thinking about it, as you just said, yes, we're going to understand that it, we shouldn't make our decision on price alone. We should be looking for you know, the value that we receive, and then we can decide from there, you know, is the extra price worth what I think that extra perceived value is going to be or not? And, you know, we make hopefully make a decision based on, on what, is, what we feel is going to be in our best interest as consumers. It's up to the seller, the salesperson, to be able to effectively communicate that value. And, of course, the way you do that isn't so much to talk about your own value. It's to ask the right questions to find out what this prospect is looking for. And then if you can provide that, what they're looking for, that's what you touch upon. If you can't, then you can't and and you shouldn't. But uh, assuming that you do have what that person needs, wants, and desires, sure, um, by asking them the questions that help to see. Uh, one of my, my old mentors, the late Harry Brown, who, who uh, one of the best, one of the nicest human beings, really, when you talk about nice people, and one of the best salespeople I, I ever knew, uh, he always says, you know, salespeople ask this question, how do I motivate the buyer? And he says it's the wrong question. He says, you can't motivate a buyer. They're already motivated by something. Your job is to find out what they're motivated by. Once you understand what they're motivated by, now you match up the benefit of your product or service with what motivates them. In other words, their wants, needs, and desires. The, the message of a true salesperson, to, they need to learn that. The wants, needs, and desires, if they, Bob, you've hit it on the you've nail has been hit on the head, Several times at least, and I applaud you for that because oh, I thank think you. that's one of the biggest issues we have in the sales profession of anything that's sold and everything is sold to us as consumers is that the salesperson is not asking the key questions about what is and what are the wants, the needs, and desires of a person that has walked in the door of the facility that they work in and this is what they're looking for. I don't care if it's an automobile, a light fixture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter. What matters is that that salesperson want want to find out what those wants, needs, and desires are. And All right. Never, it's never about us. It's not about the salesperson. And it's not actually even about the product or the service, as important as that is. It's about the other person and right. how, how they see themselves benefiting through that product or service. Exactly. And then saying, well, we have these three products, for example, and anyone with these three, this one will give you this, this one will give you that. And then they have now created value. They have shown, even though they may pay more for that that item that they're purchasing, that this is exactly what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And they purchase from that through that gentleman or that lady because of that. Yeah. They have done the job. They have actually put themselves out there to do that. How fantastic is that? And then, therefore, just compensation is, you know, as Michelle said, what about the law of compensation? This is where just compensation comes mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And that, that person, that salesperson, in fact, will earn, because they're justifiably so, more money in a given year, month, et cetera, because they have done this process. 
And isn't this so key? In fact, you and I were talking. In fact, they're not talking, but we we uh, typed back and forth to each other about your next tour going out, and you're going to be up in Massachusetts and mm-hmm. talk to a group of realtors. And they need this. <laughs> I know many in the industry that just say, oh, my goodness, I'm not doing it. I'm not making it. Why? Why are you not? And these are the keys. These are the keys that are going to unlock those doors and, uh, and, and those windows of opportunity that are going to get oh, thank key. you. That's oh, fantastic. It really is. So when we when we go from, uh, and, and is there more, Bob, as far as compensation? Uh <laughs> No, that's that's the essence of it right there. It's being able to impact, and and of course that happens through referrals. I mean that's a a, a great way to be able to impact the lives of of people through referrals. And I, I think intuitively most of us understand that referrals are a good thing, um, but but really I think there are are four really. Uh, clear benefits of referrals. One is that it's easier to set the appointment with a referred prospect because you're going in on borrowed influence. Uh, with with referrals, with a referred prospect, price is usually less of an issue. Now, it's not a non-issue, but it's less of an issue because you're going again on borrowed trust, and that person has an idea that while uh, that that you have something to offer more than just a low price. You know, unless I always tell people, unless your name is Walmart, you're probably not well served by making low price your unique uh, selling proposition. Oh, uh, you know, Walmart, they're good at it, and they have the power. You know, that that's fine. But most of us know we cannot. In fact, I'd go so far to say is when you try to make low price the issue, when you sell on price, you're a commodity. When you sell on value, you're a resource. So <clears throat> it's okay if you happen to have the lowest price of, of your of your competitors. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, I wouldn't sell on that because if you sell on low price, what's going to happen is you're only going to have their business until somebody comes along with a lower price. Exactly. So, and one thing about a referred prospect is you can sell on value. And and that's key. Uh, another benefit of a referred prospect is that it's easier to complete the transaction. Again, you're going in on borrowed trust, and it's it's obvious and and uh, uh, documented certainly that that people buy faster, they buy more, and they stay with you longer when it's a referred prospect. And then I think that the fourth benefit that doesn't get a lot of notice, but I think is very important. Uh, another benefit of a of a referred prospect is they're they're already, for lack of a better word, trained. They're already of the mindset that that's how you do business because that's how they met you. So in their model of the world and their paradigm and their belief system, you're the type of person who meets people through referral. You sell on value rather than price. You complete the transaction. And then you get more referrals. So, so it's already that great uh, momentum going uh, to do that. So, so a really healthy referral business allows you to to touch the lives, to impact the lives of, of more and more people, which of course builds your compensation as well. Fantastic. Which moves us towards the you know our law number three, influence. Sure. The uh, the law of influence uh, says that your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, again, uh, this sounds counterproductive at at best and perhaps downright Pollyanna-ish at worst. But what's interesting is that, that this is exactly how the great leaders, the top influencers, the most profitable salespeople, this is simply how they conduct their lives and run their businesses. They look constantly for ways to place other people's interests first. Now, uh, let me qualify this, if I may. Uh, We'll we'll put a a verbal asterisk here and say that when we say place other people's interests first, we don't in any way mean to imply that you should ever be anybody's doormat or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Not one single bit. It's simply as... as, uh, as Ernesto and Sam, two of the mentors in the story, told Joe, the protege, the golden rule of business is simply that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. 
And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by, again, stepping outside yourself, moving moving from that eye focus to an other focus. Uh, it's what Thomas Powers, the United Kingdom-based, uh, uh, the UK-based author who, who wrote, uh, uh, oh my gosh, a Networking for Life, or what he calls the willing suspension of uh, self-interest or the temporary suspension of self-interest. Now, let's let's clarify. He didn't say the foregoing of self-interest, but the suspension of self-interest. As human beings, we are self-interested, and that that's okay. It's a fact of life. It's how we were built. Uh, and that self-interest, hey, thank goodness for it. That self-interest is what allows our bodies to to naturally fight off sickness or disease. That self-interest is what allows us to create uh, more human beings. That self-interest is what uh, causes us to invent products and services that will benefit mankind as they and humankind as they benefit us. It's what it's what has us. Uh, going out there in the world and, and, and working in order to make a living, which benefits other people. No, there's nothing wrong with self. That's fine. It's, it's a fact of life. To deny that is to deny reality. But what the pro does, what the go-giver, if you will, does, is they suspend that self-interest in order to genuinely and authentically focus on bringing value to others. As Sam said in the story, to make your win about the other person's win. And as you do that, you attract the right people, kind of people in, into your life. The, the the people who understand as you do that success is not, you know, great relationships are not 50-50. They're simply 100 with each party trying to find ways to benefit and add value to the other person. And that's when it really starts to happen fast. Wow, that is so true, Bob. It's 100%, 100%. And as a strategic interventionist and my coaching clients, I, I, we really get into that. Those that are walking around thinking, hey, I go 50-50, well, you know what? You're 50% off the mark. You're right. going to be serving the needs of your partner, whether it's your business partner, a friend, your your loved one, et cetera. You're going to be going 100% plus. You're going to be giving it consistently and serving those needs of that loved one, that business partner, et cetera, because if you're not, you're falling short. Right. And things are going to fall in the cracks because of it. So if, if if people really want to stay at that upper level, that's what they need to do is serve 100%. That is so, so true. I love the next law, Bob, because it fits so well with this network. Michelle Arbo. Oh, my, my goodness. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure to ask this question because – you know, the whole network for me was built on being authentic. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I was such a people pleaser for so many years. You know, I was always looking outside myself to say, okay, well, what, what do you think I should be doing? What do you think I should be focused on? So the authenticity thing is huge for me. So I want to know, I'm really keen, and I, I love that the number four is attached to it because four is all about foundation and, uh-huh. uh, you know, energetically. So it's all about building foundation from being authentic. So I love that it's number four. So please See, do tell us have about the law. In the family. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about the law of authenticity. Sure. The law of authenticity says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Now, in the story, Deborah, one of the mentors, she relates that early in her career, she discovered something very, very important. She found out something very important, and that is that all the skills in the world, all the skills in the world, the the sales skills, the technical skills, the even people skills, as important as these are, and, and they are very, very important, they're all for naught if you don't come at it from your true, authentic core. Now, when you do, when you, what I like to call, show up as yourself, day after day, week after week, month after month, people respond to you in a very positive way. They feel good about you. They know you. They like you. They trust you. They they see you as being consistent. And we live in an inconsistent world, and so consistency is a very high value, which I'm sure dates back to to antiquity, dates back to cave person days when, you know, you had to know that the sounds you heard from, you know, from in the, the distance were uh, going to consistently be the same. You, you, you know, you had to know if the sound you were hearing was that of of potential dinner or a potential diner. <laughs> you know, so you had to really make sure that consistency was key. And I, I think that 
Gandhi really said it best when he defined integrity as when everything you think and everything you feel and everything you say and everything you do are in alignment. And I believe that kind of congruency has has power to it. So the the natural question comes up, well, if that's true, if, if it's so much more profitable, if it's so much more uh, beneficial uh, to be authentic, why would anybody not be authentic? And there's a, a tendency, there's an inclination to kind of go with the answer, well, because uh, this person's dishonest or they want to try to pull one over on you. Or this, and, and certainly there's, it's a big world. There's lots of people like that, and, and that's always a you know, possibility. But, but in this vernacular, in this context, that's not really what I'm talking about. Uh, by and large, I think the challenge with most people in maybe not, not showing up as authentically as they could is that they simply don't have the confidence, the self-confidence, and the, the understanding of their true value, of how valuable they are, of, of what they bring to the table. And it's, let's face it, it's hard to, to be authentic when, you did, like, when, like Deborah in the story, you don't feel you have anything authentic to offer. Um, I believe that we all, as human beings, we all have two types of, of value that we bring. Uh, one is intrinsic value, which is simply by the very nature of our being born, we bring value to the table. But the other one is the, the other type of value is what I call market value. And I would define market value as those talents, strengths, and characteristics that allow you to provide value to the marketplace for which you'll be financially rewarded. Um, and so that's why it's so very important to really understand it. Now, both of you are coaches. Both of you are successful coaches. And I'm sure you've had conversations with people, as I have, where you know I might be speaking with this person and, 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 and I find out within the conversation something they're doing, and, and I say, wow, I mean, that's just that's terrific. That's, that's wonderful. And their, their immediate response is, oh, no, no, everybody knows that or everybody does that. And they're not being falsely modest. They really don't see that what they specialize in or what they're doing or what have you really brings such exceptional value to the marketplace. Why don't they see it? Well, because either they intuitively are always knew it, so it's they think everybody else must as well, or even if they put on their 10,000 hours of deliberate practice that Gladwell talks about in Outliers or Sean Colvin talks about in his book, Talent is Overrated, um, and usually it's a combination of both, some intrinsic talent as well as the, you know, the hours and hours of deliberate practice. Uh, they don't see it. It's now such a part of them that they don't see it as being anything special. And that's why it's so important for people to, to get a coach like, like you, Jeff, or, or like you, Michelle, and really make sure that you go through that, that you understand both your unique value, and even if it's not unique, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be unique. It, it just has to be exceptional. That value you provide, and there is something there. So different people have different assets of value. Some are naturally very empathetic. Others are naturally very intuitive. Others have a way with numbers. Others have a way of being able to problem solve or get to the root of a problem. Others are great connectors. Others are this or that. And so, but sometimes it, we need to get with someone who can help us to sort through it because it's hard for us to see the forest for the trees where, where as human beings, we're emotionally involved with ourselves. Amazing. Wow. How true, how true. Spot on, Bob. Michelle, you got to be thinking. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking. Trust me, I'm thinking. Wow. I mean, this is just a real, I knew it would be. I just, you know, when I saw the little red book, I thought, oh, that's the book that someone recommended oh, to me. You. It's all about synchronicity, right? It's all. It definitely is about synchronicity. So um, I'm really intently taking this all in, absorbing it. And well, thank you. I mean, the, the law of receptivity. I mean, we, we're running out of time, but I, I need to know everything. <laughs> I need to know it all. So please keep going. Well, the law of receptivity simply says that the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Late in the story, uh, you might recall that Pindar, the main mentor, asked Joe, the protege, to breathe out and hold that breath to the count of 30. I've done uh, that, Bob. <laughs> yeah, and I've asked my audiences to do it, and they find that 30 seconds is a long time. 
Yeah, you know, do. I've done I, I've agree. done that myself, and I and, and it's a long time, and I and I get to about ten seconds, and I, that's about it for me, and that's what happened with Joe. And uh, Pindar said, "What's the matter, Joe? Can't do it." And Joe said, "Well, no, I can't just breathe out. I've also got to breathe in." And Pindar jokingly said, "Well, Joe, what if I was to tell you it's been proven, uh, it's been medically proven that it's actually healthier to breathe out than it is to breathe in?" And Joe, of course, laughed and he said, well, "That's that's silly." Uh, you can't just breathe out. You've got to breathe in as well. You've got to do both. Aha. <laughs> well, that's true. That's life. Life is both. It's not one or the other. So we breathe out and we breathe in. Uh, it's not breathe out or breathe in. It's breathe out and breathe in. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. And I think what happens is many people, and it's the way society has basically trained us with all the messages we get of lack and and, and so forth, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we kind of so many people see it as you're either a giver or a receiver, you know. And so, if you look at many, so many movies, look at the main theme. There's always two types of people. There are the good people who are typically poor, but happy, right? <laughs> and they're always being taken advantage of, put down, stepped on, stepped over by who? The rich people who are mean and nasty and cowardly and have no soul. And these are the messages that we get from also from uh, whether it's a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, the news media, television shows, movies like we just mentioned. We see this all the time, and so we we tend to in our unconscious we see there being two types of people: givers or receivers. Good people or bad people. Poor people or wealthy people. This is the what we call what John and I call the treacherous dichotomy or the false dilemma. A false dilemma can be defined as the unnecessary use of the word or. So let's take or out and make it and. You know, when yeah, as right. a young kid, you know, you may have been asked, hey, when you grow up, do you want to be rich or happy? As though it's one or the other. Well, the answer is both. And I would say, are you a giver and a receiver? Yes. Not go. a giver or a receiver. So the key is this. It's not being a giver or a receiver. It's being both. It's being a giver and a receiver. However, the key is to focus on the giving. Focus on the giving of value. Focus on the giving and allow the receiving. And when you do that, you just create a benevolent context of ongoing success. Wow. Love it. You know, Bob, this is amazing, and we have so many more questions we could ask, and I wish we had about five hours to talk about. <laughs> Thank you. Right now, I'd like to, and Michelle, I know you want to get in there and talk a little bit about the what the go giver adds up to it being a numerologist, I found it absolutely fascinating when I heard this, Bob, and you will too. Uh, but let's get out to the people right now. Let's let's talk about the best way for them to reach you, website, et cetera. Let's get that information out right now. Yeah, they can pretty much find everything at my my main website, which is berg b u r g dot com. And while they're there, they can uh, they can subscribe to my influence and success insights. They can download chapter one of the Go Giver and a couple of my other books. Uh, and they can go to my blog if they'd like and subscribe to that or look through the archives. I've got about 400 articles on there on, on various topics. Um, so I would just say come to the website, uh, berg.com, and hang out for a while and have some fun. Excellent. And I also will be in touch with you further about being becoming a go-giver coach. I find that fascinating. I've done a lot of reading, and I've talked to many that are and absolutely phenomenal. Um, oh, thank you. People, and I'm looking very much forward to working with you on that. Yeah, we're expanding uh, that now into go-giver speaking, certified go-giver speakers, for those who want to fo- focus more on a speaking career. We are actually, that's where we're heading, is in this band. Your good friend of mine, Mr. James Malachick, I've been with his with him for a while. And oh, he's great. Boot camps, and, uh, you know, he talks about that value and, and you know, and, and, and why you need to do these things, and it's true. And it's, it's, this has been absolutely fantastic. Michelle, jump in here. I want to hear more about, and, and uh, we've got a few minutes left on air. We've got about six minutes, I guess. Um, the, how the numbers add up. You know, Michelle Bob is very interesting in being a celebrity numerologist, and that she technically goes back. His beginning creation had to do with the God Code, which is all about numbers. Everything we do in our life is numbers, and that's that's her thing. 
And go ahead and give Bob that information, Michelle. I found that fascinating. Oh, I just, you know, I don't want to get too uh, metaphysical because this is really kind of a, a different show. But, I, you know, I just, I have to notice that the word 11, and there's this phenomenon happening right now where a lot of people are seeing 1111 everywhere. And so it's it's called the spirit. The highest spiritual energy, and it's an energy that we're all working towards. So, to be a go giver and have it add to eleven is quite significant to me. Because I actually, I'm not, I'm not big on tattoos, but I do have an eleven eleven tattoo because it's really <laughs> been special to me. So, the the fact that your book and and what you focus on, the go giver, is an eleven frequency is huge to me because I, I really see the world through numbers. So for me, um, I'm definitely going out to get your book uh, on the weekend and I'm going to read it and uh you've really intrigued me with this i mean you really i think i'm i'm three quarters of the way there and i think i've i've lived most of the laws i just think i need to tweak it a little bit so i think that synchronicity where someone said go get the book was um you know i I need to get the book but maybe it wasn't the right time so i think now is the right time yeah so i will definitely get that little red book (laughs) so it was a pleasure having you on yeah, a pleasure. I mean, absolute pleasure. We will have to have you back again. I know you're working on other books, other projects. We're going to have to have you back on the air to discuss that because I think we're, you're really in alignment with what I like to call practical spirituality because really it's kind of merging uh, spiritual concepts with real life, and that's what I'm all about. And, you know, it's really about, okay, we can't sit on the mountaintop and meditate all day to make our lives better. We have bills to pay and families to take care of and things to do. So I always say um, the people I resonate with the most are the ones that lead through practical spirituality, and I think that's really the essence of mm. what you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. You're welcome. That's been absolutely fantastic, Go ahead, Jeff. Bob. A pleasure. Yes, absolute pleasure, Bob. And thank you for being on the show with both Michelle and myself today. And uh, thanks again to Michelle Colon Johnson and your staff, Bob, for uh, working with us. The, the other you. wonderful Michelle in our lives. The other wonderful <laughs> Michelle in our lives. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she's and she great. was on the yeah. show last week, Bob. She she was on. She was interviewed by both of us last week. Oh, and, she's yeah, and it was a fantastic show. Actually, I was traveling uh, throughout New England and landed at a friend's house and said, I need your Internet. I have a show to do in a half an hour. Ah. <laughs> oh, and it goodness. worked out absolutely fantastic. It really did everything I could, other than a little breakup of my voice at the end. But <laughs> it was a phenomenal show. It really was. And uh, I can understand well why she is the publicist that she is. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely oh. fantastic. I will pass that along to her, and I know she'll well, enjoy hearing you. that. And, uh, I look forward to seeing you up in uh, the Natick area, I believe. It's in September, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. They, I, I, And I thought it was Boston. It's actually the first one I'm doing is in Bolton, which is about, I think, 30 that's minutes fine. northwest of Boston. That's, that's good, though. That's on 495. I yep. can make that pretty easy. Yep. Yeah, and then the next day I have one. Uh, uh, it's not a public one, but it's in Bo- it's in Waltham, which is close to Boston, closer right. to Logan Airport. Right. But I'll look forward to seeing you in Bolton if you get a chance to be there. They, I although it's every attempt, yes. Okay, good. You know, although a, a real estate company is sponsoring it, they're actually right. opening it up to everyone, so it's going to be a generic uh, program. And I'm looking forward to getting back to to the Boston area and having some chowder and lobster. We shall do that, my friend. We will set a date, and we will make that happen. How's yeah. that? Excellent. Well, Bob, thank you so very, very much for being with us, and it's been a pleasure. And, folks, do not miss the opportunity to grab the book, The Go-Giver. You need to. And also follow with Mr. Berg and all the other books he has written and information. And if you need a phenomenal speaker, you need to contact Bob as well for your group, etc. So, Bob, again, thanks so much. We appreciate this. Thank you both very much. It was really my pleasure. Thank you. And we'll talk to you very, very soon, and see you next month. Awesome. Thanks, Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today on Interviews with Authentic You. It's a division of Authentic You Media, Michelle Arbo and myself, Jeffrey Miller, Michelle being the celebrity numerologist, and myself, a strategic interventionist. And we bring these shows to you, and we want to interview the best of the best to get this information to you. Today is a perfect example of a very fascinating guest, very phenomenal guy that's really got a lot going on in helping us become authentic, which is what we're all about, as Michelle will agree with me. Authentic You Media, Authentic You Radio. And, Michelle, if you want to end it from there, I thank you folks for being with us. We'll see you next week. 
Absolutely. A great show. Can't wait to have Bob back. I mean, I've learned so much. I hope you have, too. And we'll talk to you next week with another great interview. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.